Welcome to Her Story on a Plate, a place for real talk about real bodies. Let's dish about our complex relationships to food and bodies. We are two experts in the field coming at this from an anti-diet, your body holds wisdom approach. This podcast is all about changing the conversation we have in our heads and culture so that we can embrace ourselves fully. Today, we're going to talk about aging, specifically how our culture scrutinizes the aging of celebrities and how that impacts us, regular humans. And we are, of course, coming at this in the context of cultivating a supportive and respectful relationship with our bodies and minds and souls, our food, our past, our present. So, okay, Jenny, let's jump in. When I say aging, what comes up? Oh, God. Oh, that's not right for this, right? Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I actually have two, <laughs> two, two thoughts about this. One is it's a privilege. You know, it's a yes. joy to be aging. You know, there yes. are many who don't get to do that. And on the other hand, it ain't for sissies. It is, yeah. you know, it's, it can be difficult, right? The body is meant yeah. to age. And yep. with age comes change. And there are changes that involve functionality and mobility sometimes. There are changes that involve cognition. And then there are changes that involve how we think we look. And, you know, there there are multi-billion dollar businesses that are betting on the fact that we're not going to want to change how we look and somehow stay exactly the same for the next, you know, several decades. I think it would be useful to start us off with a quote by Meryl Streep, who is uh, one of my heroes. She says, and I quote, let no one deprive and deny me of the wrinkles on my forehead attained by the Mm -hmm. delight of living a beautiful life. Don't rob me of my lips, which remind me about how much I laughed and how much I kissed. Look at the bags under my eyes. They reflect upon how much I cried. All of these memories belong to me. And they are all very beautiful. Mm. There's so much packed into that, right? There's that, the reality is we change. And we change because of our life experiences Mm. that are amazing, that are powerful, that are hard, right? And they deserve to be honored. And we deserve to be honored because we've walked through it all. Yes. And, you know, let's talk about culture. Culture and how we perceive it, I think, has the biggest impact on how we see ourselves as aging women, people, bodies. Yeah. Because imagine that in certain cultures, right, aging is the ultimate privilege. And there are societies completely designed about how to care for the age, the aging parents and people. Other societies dread aging. So first is the cultural conversation in which you live. And if you live in a conversation that says old is bad, old is decrepit, old is getting stupid, old is not useful, old is not going to earn as much, old is not going to be as important and relevant. You know, we Mm -hmm. are both, you know, we're both women of a certain age, right? And I, (laughs) yes, I have to say for the first time, sometimes I feel unseen in certain Mm -hmm. settings, you know, it it could be a silly thing. Like 
buying a, a movie ticket, right? Let's say I don't buy it in advance online and I have to actually walk up to the window and I have to buy the ticket. And, you know, the person behind mm-hmm. the window is usually about 12. They're probably not 12, but I, they look 12 to me now. And, you know, I can mm-hmm. tell that they're almost, they're almost interacting with, with me like, oh, she's just like my grandmother. No, I'm not. Yes. But, you know, I, 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 can, I can intuit it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what you're bringing up is this important issue about invisibility, right? And how do we acknowledge the fact that our culture, our culture, our American Western culture devalues aging? And some people have, have said, wow, that's a great thing because now I can do whatever the heck I want. And people aren't examining. And some people are like, no, I don't want to be invisible. I still want to be valued as a human who has something to contribute. And then on the flip side, we have people like Jane Fonda and Martha Stewart, who was on Sports Illustrated in a bathing suit as though, you know, and it's her body, right? Body autonomy again, right? She can do whatever she wants. She's got full power in her life and in her business. And if this is what she wants to do is be in a bathing suit on a magazine when she's 80, her choice. However, I do feel the impact of those images on the rest of us. And that it is damaging because it holds up the images that I saw in Seventeen Magazine, right, growing up. It's that ideal of thinness as beauty and youth as beauty, and also that our worth is how we look in a bathing suit. And do we really want that approach? Sure. So youth is beauty, thinness is beauty. Mm-hmm. And lack of youth, lack of thinness is irrelevant. That you are yes. irrelevant, you are not thin yes. or young. Right. That the weight stigma and fat phobia is just atrocious and so damaging. You bet. You know, I had the privilege of um, seeing a movie that's just come out on one of the streaming networks, and it's called The Miracle Club. And it has, you know, Maggie Smith, who, I don't know, she must be nearing or at least 90. God bless her. Yeah. And Kathy Bates and Laura Linney and some other folks. And it's really quite something because she allowed herself to look as I imagine she normally looks. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's very little that was done to make her look like she's aging well. She was just supposed mm-hmm. to be this very aged woman. And it yeah. was really, it was startling in some ways. If you follow her career and you know some of the things she's done and how she's been made mm-hmm. to look. And then she said, well, mm-hmm. all right, well, you know, if I'm going to play this part. I might as well just get up in the morning and not put makeup on. And there I am. And it, it's really, yeah. it's inspiring because yeah. then what you get to see is just what a great actress she is. Yes. Which of course she's brilliant. And you brought up the term aging well, which I mm-hmm. think deserves a lot of unpacking, right? Mm-hmm. Do we think that aging well is showing up looking like you haven't lived all those years? Is aging well mobility? Is aging well a sense of vitality? Is aging well just having your brain online, right? Or are we thinking that aging well looks like Jane Fonda, who has said in interviews, I do have one regret, which is the amount of plastic surgery I've had, right? Is that aging well? And one of the the 
terms that I love that Helen Mirren used, which I think is almost a better way to move into this conversation about how do we age and how, you know, what is confidence? She says, this is a quote from her, I love the word swagger because I think swagger means I'm confident in myself. I'm presenting myself to the world. I'm enjoying the world around me. I love that. And what if, what if instead of it being like, oh, I need to age well, or I need to feel super confident, or I need to have the body that looks like it could go on a magazine when I'm 80, what is swagger to me? What does that feel like? You you can imagine there are some people listening to us now thinking, oh, sure. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Except that when you're working in the business that I'm working on, whatever that business may be, I'm very aware that if I don't continue to look the part, could be just in finance, mm-hmm. could be anything, right? that if I don't continue mm-hmm. to look the part, I may not get yeah. promoted. I may become Absolutely. irrelevant. I mm-hmm. may actually not be able to continue my current career. And that, that's a very real thing. It's a, it's a failing of our society um, that we yeah. are allowed to view people in that way. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned Jane Fonda. I had the privilege of hearing her speak, I'm going to say probably about a decade ago, maybe it's a little more, at an eating disorder conference. She was the keynote speaker, and she had Mm. just really started to talk about her eating disorder history and her bulimia and all of this. And one of the things that I remember, I'm really paraphrasing here, but one of the things that I remember her talking about was that if she could tell her younger body then what she knows now, which is Mm -hmm. the body isn't the way that you punish yourself. The body isn't the way that you view yourself. Now, I mean, this is a a woman who grew up in Hollywood from, you know, birth, but she said, you know, I would have been kinder to myself. I would have Mm -hmm. understood that I was, you know, doing more damage than good and not with regret. See, I think regret ages us. There is a difference Mm -hmm. between regret and insight. There's a difference between regret and wisdom. It is one thing to be able to look back, whether it's on something you did yesterday or a decade ago or four decades ago. There's something about being able to look back and say, hmm, yes, I likely could have done that differently. I likely could have thought that differently. And now I know what I know. And yeah. is there any cleaning up I need to do? Is there any mm-hmm. apology to make maybe, maybe yeah. to myself, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not about, oh, I should have, and I would have, and I could have, and I didn't, because that's the way we beat ourselves up. And when we beat ourselves up, it becomes too much to bear. And so we want to numb that out. And so how do we numb that out? Yeah. And, you know, p- pick your poison. Yeah. Absolutely. No, and I personally relate to that deeply. Because one of the choices that I've made, and I've shared this, I think, on the podcast and with you, Jenny, is that I have the BRCA gene. So it's a cancer gene. And because of that, I had a double mastectomy. And in that process, I said to my oncologist, am I going to regret this? In 10 years, in 20 years, will we have a surgery that's better? Will we have a way of mitigating my cancer risk such that we don't have to amputate my breasts off? And am I going to look back at this decision and go, oh my gosh, this was the stupidest thing I ever did. And she said, 
you're doing the best you can with the information you have. And do I hope that in 10, 15, 20 years, we have a better solution? A hundred percent, but we don't. This is what we have. This is what's available. You are doing what you need to do with the information that you have right now. And that's compassion, right? That's compassion. She was showing me is, okay, this is what we did. And now this is who we are. So do I look in the mirror and sometimes go, wow, really miss those old breasts that were real? Yes. Mm. And, oh, honey, you know, I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm saying this to my body. Oh, honey, I'm sorry that happened to you. That was hard. That was rough. But we did the best we could. And it was life-saving. And it was life-saving. Absolutely. I'm the first person in my family with the BRCA gene to have lived this long without cancer. Absolutely. So we make choices and do they impact us? I'm very grateful that you shared that with us. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And it really talks about very hard decisions that we all have made, uh, whether we wanted to or not. And again, it's not with regret. It's with knowledge. It's about wisdom, right? Well, I mean, Mm. not to become all erudite here, but I sometimes think about what are we all here for? Like, why, why do we do this? Mm-hmm. Why do we go through this? We know how it ends. We don't know when it ends, but we know how it ends. We know how it's supposed to go. Why would we go through all of this? Yeah. And I really do think, not to be reductive, but I do think it boils down to learning. Human mm-hmm. beings are meant to learn. And so yes. when we learn, right, we touch the lives of others. We certainly touch our, our lives that have learned, touch other lives. and depending on what your spiritual beliefs are, not preaching anything here, but imagine if the soul is something that continues to learn in whatever form it's in, right? Mm-hmm. So again, if learning is the objective, I just think it makes everything easier because then every yeah. mistake you make is about, all oh, right, that's right, I'm supposed to be learning now. That's right, I'm supposed to be learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I so relate to this on so many levels, right? One is that idea like that, you know, why did this happen to me? And I don't believe in that, but I do believe, I don't believe everything happens for a reason, but I do believe that we can learn from everything that's happened. And to reel this whole conversation back to our conversation around our body and our relationship with our body and our story of our body is as we are learning, we are impacting other people other generations, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. like Jane Fonda being able to get up on stage and say, wow, here's what I would say to my younger self. And in that, she's changing a next generation, right? It's mm-hmm. Emma Thompson getting into a movie naked and talking about how, you know, movies, it was um, the movie, Good Luck to You, Leo Grant. Right. And she talks about how it was so groundbreaking for her as a woman in her late 50s to be naked on stage in what she called the untreated body. Right. That she didn't get surgery her whole life. And this is what a body looks like. And Jamie Lee Curtis, I mean, this has been her her song. You know, she won't Mm -hmm. do any plastic surgery and she has 
been all over social media with no makeup on. Yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker, she's been lambasted lately because she had the nerve to walk around without makeup on and with graying hair. Yes. How is that thing? How, mm-hmm. how is that something somebody to be ashamed of or, or lambasted yes. for? She's aging. Yes. Thank God right. she's aging. And she's supposed to be. Right. I mean, Pamela all, Anderson also. <laughs> she, was all, she was always going to stay 20. Pamela Anderson That's also right. showing up as herself. Right. One of the things that Emma Thompson talks about in terms of um, plastic surgery, she says she calls it a form of collective psychosis. Right. And this is, again, a quote from her. She says, why would you do that to yourself? I simply don't understand. I do honestly think the cutting of yourself off to put in another place in order to avoid appearing to do what you're actually doing, which is aging which is completely natural, is a form of collective psychosis. I really do think it's a very strange thing to do, right? And it is to be in that place. And I come to it really from this place of, wow, I've done huge plastic surgery. I had a double mastectomy. I had reconstruction. But man, if I had the choice, no, thank you. Right. Because when everybody was, mm -hmm, go ahead. I always feel the need to remind ourselves about body autonomy, right? Which is Mm -hmm. that, again, there are folks listening to us now who have chosen to have plastic surgery, who have chosen to do any form of facial injections they can come up with. I mean, that is your right. There is no judgment here. People have the right to do whatever they want to with their bodies. My point is more about know why you're doing it and don't live in the world of regret if you either have done it or you haven't done it. That's the point. Yeah. You know, you get to, I mean, most people get to do what they want. Some people don't get to do what they want, but for the most part, you get to do what you want with your body. Yeah. I sometimes, you know, look, I'm an aging woman too, right? And I, I notice, you know, silly things like, oh, it just takes me longer to do that and that. At least I used to be able to do that faster. Okay. Now I have two mm-hmm. choices. I can say to myself, well, sure, that's because you're getting old and you know you ought to just get in bed and wait. Or I can say to myself, oh, glad I noticed. Now, you know, now, now I can just adjust my, my expectations. It's really yeah. about adjusting expectations. Yeah. Period. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, and that, that has to also do with body size and how you see yourself in your body. I mean, who of us doesn't look in the mirror in the morning and say, oh, oh God, wait, who, who is that? That's not the face <laughs> I remember. Who, who is that? Mm-hmm. Right? Who of us doesn't wish we could just go on Zoom and just change the way our facial features look and all of that. But then when you stop and think about the silliness of that, why, why are we doing that? Because we yeah. somehow want to well, look different. Yeah. Right. But there's two things that you're talking about there. One is how as a culture, because we're now on Zoom so much and we're on FaceTime, we're seeing ourselves 
so much. We are actually in relationship with our reflection way more in this day and time than ever before. And so it does require Mm -hmm. us to actually be what I call body current. What is my body? Oh, this is you today. Got it. Okay, great. It's like, Jenny, you and I talking before, like, oh, I'm having a good hair day. Oh, I'm having a bad hair day, right? Like, oh, this is me in this moment. I'm being current. And that is important for us to be in this place of, okay, you know what? This is me now. And acknowledge the grief of who we were. Grief is such a big player in this. Grief of who we think we were. Mm-hmm. Think grief of who we thought we would be. Yes. But the wisdom to welcome who we really are. I mean, you, mm. you, you've touched on something so important here, which is grief, right? Yeah. If you think about it, we're all kind of almost always in a state of grief. Because while yeah. you may be very excited about upcoming events and very excited about creating new things and creating art and doing whatever it is one loves to do, there's always this moment of, oh, and another minute passed, oh, and another decade passed, and <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I used to do that and I used to do that and all, the, all of that. And so I'm simply suggesting that instead of approaching it in a grievous way to say, Mm -hmm. oh, look at these memories I have to cherish. Mm -hmm. Because God knows that when we have memories memories that we wish we didn't have, memories that we don't want to cherish, those come up right away, don't they? When there are traumatic moments. Absolutely. What if we bring up the cherished moments as quickly and just consider that they are building our souls? Absolutely. And what you're saying is, let's bring both parts forward. Oh, grief, I hear you. I see you. I get how sad you are about the body I never had or the body I hoped. And also part of me that is cherishing, is honoring, is uh, celebrating the fact that I am here. I am still thinking. I am still listening to podcasts. I am still awakening my mind and my soul, right? They both exist. That's that idea that multiple parts of us get to be in this journey with us. And they do. They don't get to, they just are. And I want to say one other thing about the grieving. So it was actually just just this week, a wonderful client of mine said, you know, I do, I feel grief that I was never that tall, blonde, thin girl that got all the privilege, that got all the attention, that could just sit on the sofa and not do the dishes and just have value because she was cute, right? Mm. And yes, to honor that grief. And I relate. I always thought I was supposed to be the tall, blonde, thin girl. I am none of the above, right? So to be in spaciousness, with Mm. our grief lets us then own, yes, I am sad about that. There's grief for that. And then come into this part that you're saying, let's bring this forward. The part that says, and this is who I am and celebrate that. Yes. And remembering old conversations. So I was very tall, very early. I was really Mm -hmm. much taller than all of my peers by the time I was in, you know, fifth grade. In fact, mm-hmm. I remember being in sixth grade and there was a, a guy in the class who, um, we're, we were in sixth grade, 
there was a guy in the class that was five foot seven. And I was like five foot five. And we were like the class parents. It looked like Gulliver and the Lilliputians. It was very funny mm-hmm. for a long time. And I remember really feeling very out of place to be mm-hmm. so tall. I wound up yeah. reaching somewhere like five foot, I guess. Now I notice I'm not as tall as I was. I probably mm-hmm. lost an inch some. Right. And I and I can't I always remember this now. Every time I realize that. I am a bit shorter than I was, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. gravity. It's what happened. Yep. And I think to myself, oh gosh, imagine if I could have reached back to my 12-year-old self and my 15-year-old self and my 20-year-old self and said, no, no, height is great. If that's who you are, mm-hmm. it's who you are. Don't slouch. Don't try to be smaller. Be the height you are. Mm-hmm. So it's really all about perspective appreciate in the moment, right? It is. And it's also so tied in to what we're talking about here with this podcast, right? Her story. That's part of your body story. And it's an important part because it was an identity marker for us, for you, right? How we described our body to ourselves became identity markers, right? So to be able to say yes, I am going to update those identity markers because, oh, I was the tall one and the one that stood out to, you know, here I am at this age and stage and time of my life. What is my now relationship? What is my now story with my body? Because our past stories are a little bit of history. I want to make a rare pitch for uh, another podcast. If none of you have caught uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's podcast, it's called Wiser Than Me. And Mm -hmm. it's really quite something. She interviews famous people that are aging, women particularly, you know, whether they be actresses, authors, you know, writers, whatever they are in the field. And they have wisdom. They have wisdom. Yes. And they're trying desperately to not have it be regret. It's wisdom. And things they might have done differently but how have they contributed? So it's, it's, a, it's a very worthwhile listen, I think. Yeah. And that wisdom, when I was listening, I was like, oh, yes, I, like, finally I felt re- represented, right? I felt like mm-hmm. people were speaking my language of aging, of changing, and of embracing our wisdom. And I do feel like aging is such a powerful opportunity of claiming, of owning, right? Of owning our body story, of owning our relationship with ourselves, of claiming our wisdom, not just the wisdom in our head, but the wisdom of our body. Because our body doesn't, as we age, it's not so like bounceable, you know? It's a little more, if things are not going so well, our body starts yelling at us. There's not quite that same amount of flexibility of like, oh, I fell and now I get up, no big deal. Right now, when I travel and it happens all the time, I like bump into my suitcase or I bump into things and I'm like bruising. Oh, that didn't happen that way. Right. And Mm -hmm. to listen, my body's saying, you need to walk a little slower as you travel. You need to be a little more respectful of your physical needs at this age and stage. Before we end, I want to just bring up one more celebrity. Um, It's Mm -hmm. probably an episode all by itself, but I do want to talk about Oprah. 
I think we could say that Oprah opened a lot of doors for journalists, for women, for women of color. She has certainly made a very big difference in the entertainment industry, in the journalistic industry. And she has been very public about her own battles with her own sense of self and her body. And as privilege allows, she has also been very public about the fact that she had, a, I think, a 10% stake or so in Weight Watchers, or may still have it, and mm -hmm. has now been using, you know, semaglutide, you know, uh, injectables. Ozempic. I want to say <laughs> that, yeah, Ozempic, well, Ozempic is one of them, right? I, yeah. I want to say that I think everybody gets to do what they want, but check your heroes. Remember mm -hmm. that they're human. Remember that they make good decisions and they make decisions that may not be so great. And if that's something you want to do, go do it. But remember that it is a lifelong commitment because the minute you stop the injections, things start to bounce back in a way that will shock you. And secondly, because why do that to yourself? Why? Mm -hmm say, you know what, my body's just so unacceptable the way it is. I'm willing to take an injection every week. I'm willing to suffer GI disturbances and nausea and all of that simply to be thinner. Yeah. I say that your body and you deserve more than that. And again, yes. body autonomy, do what you want. Really, seriously, no, no yeah. judgment here. Yeah. But be kind, be gentle, and be careful. You know, I'm I'm glad she came forward because she thought, you know, she needed to say that. I'm afraid yeah. it might have inspired more to do it than to not do it. But, yeah. you know, again, everybody really yeah. has to do whatever they think they need to do. Yeah, Absolutely. And I just, I think it's very important for us to really look at how these examples of aging are impacting our own relationship with our body. Right. And to mm. come back to this is my body. This is my relationship with my body. And how do I want this relationship to roll? Right. We don't have to look like Martha Stewart on the cover of a magazine. We don't have to look like Jane Fonda. We get to look like ourselves. And that's enough. Right. Yes. Yes. It is. That's All right. enough. That's enough. Okay. <laughs> Oh, as always, Nina. It's always a privilege to be with you. Likewise. Hope we'll see you on future episodes of Her Story on a Plate. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to Her Story on a Plate. Keep in touch with us at herstoryonaplate.com. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.